Welcome, everybody. Now, I got to get right into this. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. Happy belated, I should say. Mother's Day was yesterday. Hopefully, everybody got to spend some time with the moms, if uh, if able. And um, happy Mother's Day. Now, here we go. On Friday, you know, I just finished recording my Friday edition of Clear Cut Sports, which you're listening to now. Feeling good. I go for a drive to get my coffee. And you know I love my coffee. And I turn on the radio as I normally do in my car. Turn on to the uh, some sports. And I won't say where I heard it, but I heard these two fine gentlemen stating that it would be ideal if the New York Giants in football went 8-8 eight and eight this year. And I'm sorry, but I just have to address this because I don't know if this is a common um, common notion, a common thought that the New York Giants can go eight and eight this upcoming season. But I'm here to tell you right now that is not what's happening. Before I go through the schedule of the Giants, their new coach Joe Judge. Part of the uh, Bill Belichick tree, obviously. He was uh, with the New England Patriots last year. I think he was the uh, special teams coordinator. Bill Belichick tree has not had a reputation of success. Just look at what's happening with Matt Patricia in Detroit. It's a disaster. Hopefully he can turn it around this year. We shall see. I have my doubts. And there's a few other guys. You know, Josh McDaniels, when he uh, took off for a couple of years to Denver. So. And, you know, the roster itself, they got some nice offensive pieces. You know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and they just drafted an offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas, who probably slide into the into the uh, left tackle position. But their defense needs a lot of work. Daniel Jones isn't going to throw 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns. And Saquon Barkley's off an injury, off a down year, an extremely disappointing year. Will he bounce back? I assume so. In what capacity? That remains to be determined. All that being said, that is not even the biggest reason why I don't think the Giants will go 8-8 eight and eight this year. They might get four. They might have four wins. I'm about to go through their schedule here. You know, I, I did it up uh, the other day. Actually, it was Friday. As soon as I got home, I was so steamed about the comment that I heard. That I had to just go through their schedule. Full disclosure, on Wednesday I will be going through everybody's, uh, all the divisions of football. Uh, that will be my uh, standings, predictions, and who makes the playoffs, what the seeds are, etc. Anyways, back to the Giants. And this is no disrespect to the New York Giants, or any fans of the New York Giants out there. But, I just gotta be real here. <clears throat> So, let's go through the New York Giants game, shall we? In week one, prime time against Pittsburgh. I would suggest that would be a loss. Week two, at Chicago. I'm being nice with this one. I'm going to say that's a win, but I'm being nice because I don't know if that New York Giants offense, I don't know how they'll move the ball against the defense of the Chicago Bears, which is elite. 
Khalil Mack and the crew. But I'll give them a benefit of a doubt here. I'll give them a win. Week 2 at Chicago. Week 3, they host San Francisco. That's a loss. Week 4, they're at the Rams. I have that as a loss. I can't, that could go either way. I could slide that into the wing column. But I think that'll be a loss. So right now, through week four, we have them at one and four, one and three. At Dallas in week five, let me tell you something. They're not going to beat the, the Cowboys or the Eagles this year. They play them twice, obviously. They're in the same division. So that's a loss at the Cowboys. They host Washington in week six. That should be a win. So now that we have two and four through six weeks, Primetime game at Philly in Week 7. That's a loss. Week 8, primetime against the newly looked Tampa Bay Bucks. That's a loss. Week 9, Washington again. That's a win. Week 10, they host Philly. That's a loss. So now through Week 10, we have 3 wins, 7 losses. Week 11 is their bye week. Week 12, Cincinnati. That should be a win. I think Cincinnati is going to struggle this year um, with the new quarterback, Joe Burrow. But, you know, I kind of like their trajectory if they stay young and keep building around Joe Burrow. But this year, I expect that to be a loss. At Seattle in week 13, loss. Russell Wilson, especially in the later half of the year when it comes to playoff time and crunch time, I don't expect them to lose too many games. Arizona, week 14, the newly looked Arizona Cardinals. I have that as a loss. That is another one of those games that I could flip-flop around, but I think Arizona is going to surprise a lot of teams this year, so I give that a loss. Cleveland, week 15, too much talent on that team uh, for the Giants to win, so another loss for the Giants. At the Ravens in week 16, that's an easy one. That'll be a loss. And then Dallas in Week 17, again, a loss. So what I have here for the New York Giants, one, two, three, four wins at Chicago, Washington twice, and Cincinnati. And then, so four wins, that should be 12 losses. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. And full disclosure, there is two games that I, I would consider flipping to wins. That is at the Rams and hosting Arizona. But right now, I believe that'll be a loss. So at best, I have 6 six and 10. But my actual prediction, 4 and 12. And it's not a knock on the Giants. That's a tough schedule. You know, the, AFC, the NFC West is a tough division, as is the AFC North. NFC West, AFC North. So the rotation will hurt them, plus the Cowboys and the Eagles, two strong teams. Although I think Dallas will underachieve this year, they will beat the Giants. But, like, they're not going to go 8-8 eight and eight this year. If they go 8-8 eight and eight this year, then they ain't just going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They're not. It's, it can't happen. The schedule is too tough. They're not, they don't have the talent yet, especially on the defensive side of the football. I hope this isn't a common notion. 
I just had to get that out of the way because I've been thinking about it all weekend. About I, I can't it it no I can't see it. More football news, and yes, I will talk last dance after this next uh, topic. I'm sure you've all heard about the Earl Thomas situation. He, there was a uh, a uh, it came out I think through TMZ that Earl Thomas's uh, wife. There was an incident where she had him at gunpoint allegedly. Um, you can go. You can find the details. You know online. I won't get too too into um, the details of the incident. What I will say is, it has been confirmed that Earl Thomas, an excellent, excellent safety for the Baltimore Ravens, a crucial part to that team's success, Earl Thomas, man, if they lost him, that would be detrimental. Their defense is good anyways, but he is just a different kind of dude. Anyways, Earl Thomas, throughout the situation, was not arrested. So according to police and, you know, the law, he did not violate any criminal law, which is, you know, that is a good plus. I mean, not, this isn't a good situation, but of course, but if you're looking for, you know, something positive at it, he was not arrested. So from that standpoint, it looks like Earl Thomas didn't do anything wrong legally, but... There may be more details to come. We don't know. We will have to wait and see, you know, through police investigation. Through NF, whatever the NFL is going to do, what the Baltimore Ravens is going to do. And that's kind of where I'm leading with this topic here. This is kind of up to the Ravens now and what they want to do with Earl Thomas. Because as I said, he did he wasn't arrested or anything. He was not charged. I think I believe his wife is has a court date or something. Like I said, you can read about it online. It's a uh, it's an unfortunate situation. I will um, I hope that people will try to respect the privacy of Earl, of his wife, of the family, of this uh, during this tough time. The one thing that there's two things that. I kind of can see that may impact the um, the outcome for Earl Thomas in a negative way because, like I said, you know, wasn't arrested or anything. But if you think back to a few years ago, the Ray Rice incident, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you do a little research if you must. But since that, the Ravens have kind of adopted this zero tolerance for domestic violence. And um, I, I don't know where they're going to go with this because did Earl kind of engage in domestic violence? It doesn't seem that way, but well, it'll depend on how the Ravens look at the situation. So we'll see how they go with this route. And another thing that could hurt Earl Thomas is that apparently this happened on April the 13th. 
and we were just finding out about it. You know, what was it? May, you know, 7th or 8th or whatever it was. Nearly a month later. So we clearly didn't notify the team. Which will not bode well. He probably should have at least notified them that something may come up. I know it's probably a touchy or hard to talk about for Earl, and of course it would be, but the Ravens won't like this coming out of left field without being notified first by Earl, I would say. Maybe he did. Maybe maybe he did notify them, but it just wasn't talked about yet, but it's happened a long time ago, and here we are just talking about it now. So big news for Earl Thomas. Hopefully, um, hope everything kind of works out. We'll have to wait and see more details about the incident and how the Ravens are going to go. And that's all I really have to say about the Earl Thomas incident. On to the last dance. I absolutely, I can't get enough of this. I'm I'm upset that next mon, next uh, Sunday is the last, um, the last two episodes. So, of course, I'm going to be watching, as are all of you. A couple of takeaways I have from episode seven and eight, which came out just recently. Man, the media loved to bash Michael Jordan. It was unbelievable. They were incredibly unfair. With his unfortunate father, you know, that incident that happened, he passed away. People, autom- not automatically, but one of the first things you hear in the, uh, in the documentary was how, you know, this could somehow be related to Michael Jordan's gambling problem, which wasn't even a problem, according to Michael and his closest friends. That was just another thing of media speculation. And then somehow the media during this time are going to jump on this and ask this ridiculous question. That is this, did you have anything to do with your father's death? That is just craziness. Absolute craziness. And, you know, I feel bad that Michael had to go through something like that. It's very unfortunate that some people would suggest that in this incredibly trying time for him. And, you know, there's many other instances of the during the documentary that, um, that kind of showed this. You know, in previous episodes, there were different instances, you know, the gambling and different other things, him being a bad teammate, when really he just wants to win. And one thing that was brought up in this, I think it was episode seven, the first part of uh, the two that came out, During the 1998 NBA uh, NBA uh, playoffs, they played the Brooklyn Net, or the New Jersey Nets at that time, I guess, and they beat them in overtime in Game One, and then beat them by five or three or so in Game Two. And the media is sitting here saying, "You know what's wrong with the Chicago Bulls?" And I understand that. You know, maybe they should have beat them more easily. But this is the NBA we're talking about here. These people aren't pushovers. They're not just going to roll over and let you beat them. 
especially with Michael Jordan, people are gunning for him because they know he's the best. You think that the Nets were just going to try not play and give up? That's craziness. And here, here people are saying, "Oh, what's wrong with the what's wrong with the Chicago Bulls? This isn't this isn't right. They don't look like himself." Excuse me. They swept them. They swept the the New Jersey Nets. What more do you want? It's basketball. Some bounces don't go your way. Sometimes you have an off day. Michael Jordan, they had an off day, and they still won in overtime against New Jersey in that game one. Another off day, oh, they still beat them by five or three in regulation in game two. And then they beat them good in game three. Thanks for coming. The criticism against MJ and the Bulls is it's unbelievable sometimes. And then thirdly, you know, that if you remember then the Sports Illustrated cover, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it had the picture of Michael Jordan missing the curveball by, you know, like a couple of inches, and it essentially told Michael to retire from baseball when the dude was in a slump. And the media were bashing Michael about that. The man drove in 50 or fifty runs that year. Terry Francona, he said, he, he was on the, uh, he was being interviewed there, and he said, you know, nobody was doing that. He may have only hit 202, but from just coming from in your first year, playing basketball your whole life, you know, you haven't played baseball since seven, age 17 or 18, taking essentially 13 to 12, 12 to 13 years off, and then you go into double A, and you bat 202 and driving 50 runs. I, I, I just, they were just, they, they looked at Michael Jordan and always tried to find somehow, some way to attack him, which is incredibly unfair. And Michael, for the most part, he took it well. He just continued to be successful especially in the NBA. So he had to deal with a lot. He had good family support, of course, but he had to deal with a lot, not just on the court and on the field, but from the media, from his peers, not necessarily his peers, but from others. So he deserves a lot of respect and credit for dealing with that, that, added mental exhaustion to his already extraneous career in sports. Speaking of exhaustion, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about his retirement, you know, his little 18-month hiatus. And another, one more thing to add, I guess, is the speculation that uh, David Stern had asked him, had suspended him for 18 months due to um, the gambling and possibly his father's death. Ridiculous once again. But enough about that. It kind of fell in line that Michael would step back from the game for a bit. You know, the his friend there, He said, Michael said he was going to retire this year, if not for the Olympics, and he wanted to beat, he wanted to win three in a row, three championships in a row, which was something that Magic and Larry Bird haven't done. Just talks about his character. He's all about winning. You know, punching Steve Kerr in the face of practice. 
that was just him wanting to win. He was upset that 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 Phil was calling these tacky fouls, as he said, and he said, and his his thought process was, "We're not going to get those calls in the playoffs." So that's why he's so mad. And Steve Kerr and Michael both said they gained a lot of respect from each other because Steve Kerr didn't back down, and Michael loved that about him. He could go to war with this guy. So his exhaustion from willing to win mentally and physically definitely played a part in him stepping away from the game in 93. Another thing, his unfortunate father's passing was very un- untimely in this in this regard. I mean, it's always untimely when something like that happens, but in the regard of in regards of Michael Jordan stepping away, it kind of happened right as he was thinking about it anyways, and that probably pushed him a little bit further towards retirement. I guess he can't call it retirement, but stepping away from the game, his hiatus. A couple of those two things with, he defeated the challenges, like I said. He wanted to beat Larry uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's uh, two-in-a-row record. Well, not record, but two-in-a-row. He wanted to be better than them. He won the three. He was beating everybody. So perhaps another thing is, you know, he, he kind of took on all the challenges in the, the NBA had to throw at him, and he successfully defeated them all. <clears throat> so there's a lot... There was a lot of different factors leading into his retirement, his brief retirement. Some physically, some mentally. And I'll just take a couple minutes. How crazy is it that he could come back the way he did in 95 at the end of the season and still perform at a high level like that? That is just incredible. <clears throat> you know, they, they played the Magic a loaded Magic roster, Penny Hardaway, Horace Grant, and Shaq. Michael was still dropping. Well, you know, it took him a while, you've seen in that one game, but he was still dropping 40s and 50s and stuff. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Just once again, speaking to how great MJ was and how great that Bulls team really was. Said for Last Dance, coming up the last two episodes later this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Wednesday, the double dip. We're going to be talking NFL predictions. Uh, One episode will be the AFC. The next will be the NFC or vice versa. Thank you all. Have a good day and stay safe.